Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 8, Fan Expo 2016. It's Chris McBride here from Pop Goes Your World Podcast. Believe it or not, I'm heading into my very first ever Fan Expo. And let me tell you, it is something else. The lineups are super, super long. We're getting in line just to get uh, in line to get a ticket for another ticket by the looks of things. And then once we get in there, we're going to be heading in to check out a lot of the vendors and stuff on this Thursday night. Looks like it's going to be an exciting time because we've got Linda Blair is lined up tonight. So that's going to be a really good fun. We want to get in to see her, that's for sure. Uh, we're just getting shuffled off to another line here, so I'm going to be checking back with you throughout the day here. Uh, throughout the weekend, actually, I'm going to make sure and keep you up to date on everything that we've got coming up and everything that I do. Try and meet as many people as I can and even get some interviews along the way. Uh, this is going to be a good time. Fan Expo 2016. Here we come. Okay, so I just got inside the front door, and guess who I ran into? It's Dan from Massachusetts, and he's actually a master Lego builder. Dan, I have a question for you. This stuff, first of all, is incredible. It looks like you start off with a small prototype and go from there, but the first question that I have is, how does one get started and become a master Lego builder? Yeah, I'm very lucky. I, I, uh, I have a background in sculpting, and so Lego, to me, is another medium. You know, instead of working in clay or wood, I'm working in these colorful uh, uh, plastic blocks called Lego and so it's awesome. That is awesome and that's the one thing it's almost like sculpting. How do you maintain perspective when you make something like this? To me it's just it's amazing. I would be putting it together and all of a sudden I find out the legs don't quite match up or something. <laughs> How do you do that? What's the secret? It happens once in a while. I get a little messed up but it's Lego so you can always fix what you've done but in this case I'm copying that smaller one that you're looking at and making that three times larger so I'm just scaling it up and all the kids and adults are helping by building the three times larger larger bricks so I replace all the small two by four bricks on the prototype with the bigger ones that are three times larger and by magic the whole thing becomes three times larger. Well let me tell you that is just incredible and right now you're working on something for Rogue One the new Star Wars movie correct? Oh yes this is K2SO it's a new droid can't say anything about it it's top secret but it's a new droid. <laughs> there we go well Dan thanks a lot for your time today and best of luck and have a good time here at Fan Expo. It was my pleasure. All the best. So, hey, we're now inside the Linda Blair Q&A session. Hey, this should be a lot of fun. The one thing I did notice was the first four rows are actually uh, cordoned off for people that are VIP pass holders only. But my good buddy Jason here that's with me did point out that we didn't want to sit in the first four rows anyway because I believe we could be in the line of projectile puke vomit uh, in the first four rows. So we're going to be uh, avoiding that. So that's always good. Okay, well, we just got out of Linda Blair. I got to tell you, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit disappointed by the whole thing. Um, she, she wasn't bad. It was really interesting to meet Linda Blair. We had great seats. We were right up front. Um, here's the thing. She's, she spent about the first 10 minutes of a Q&A basically talking about uh, her charity foundation, which is no problem at all. I have no problem with her, you know, you know, talking about her charity foundation and all. But it was basically just talking about uh, rescuing pit bulls and how she has 200 pit bulls at her house. And this is what she does. She rescues it and all this. It, it, it wasn't even so much that. It, it just seemed a little, 
seemed a little odd. The whole thing was was a little aloof. Um, she didn't allow any photography inside, and that's for perfectly fine. You know, that's fine. That's her prerogative, celebrity's prerogative to do that. Um, but even the Q and A itself, she did not take questions from the audience. And like I say, it's, she seemed a little bit aloof, and and I don't know. I mean, maybe she's just a little strange. <laughs> I hate to say, but it was a very very interesting Q and A. Not what I expected for my very first Q and A at Fan Expo. So you know, it, it got a little bit better as it went on. Uh, she did start to get into some stories about you know what it was like working with Bill Friedkin and all that kind of stuff, which is really what we were there for. Um, but for the most part, it was it was a little odd. Uh, she was dancing on stage at one point, so it seemed a little bit erratic to me. But uh, you know, maybe just my take. Um, so we're going to be going on to the next thing here. And hopefully they'll just keep getting better and better. But anyway, that was Linda Blair. Okay, so I just got to meet some of the most interesting people ever. They're from the 501st Legion. Now, if you don't know anything about the 501st Legion, the whole idea, this this group that was started back in 1997 by Alvin Johnson and Tom Cruise, that's Cruise, C-R-E-W-S, not the Scientology guy. Anyway, they were in South Carolina, and what they did was they were obsessed with Star Wars, like who isn't, right? And but one of the things that they loved, the stormtroopers, and they thought the uniforms were just so cool. So they got this idea was, what if they could recreate the outfit themselves, but it had to be like official, it had to look exactly like in the movie and get all the right the, the, the air vents right on the, the mask and all that kind of stuff. And so they did it, and it became such an obsession with them that other people started to see it. Like, wow, how do you make that stormtrooper costume? I, I want to do that too. And they started to grow other people into their group, and they admitted them into this group, and they called themselves the 501st Legion. And it has grown to over 8,000 active members worldwide. These guys are phenomenal. They, they the attention to detail that they have in their costumes. I can't even explain it. You have to see it to believe it. Um, it. It was just incredible. Talking to these guys was great. And they don't only really do stormtroopers now. They've kind of branched off. They're also doing like the snowtroopers. And they've got one guy here at uh, Fan Expo. Now they've got a guy that's on a speeder bike from, from Jedi. And, you know, kids can go up on and sit up on the speeder bike and take a picture with, you know, the stormtrooper and all that. It's just phenomenal. My seven-year-old got a chance to, to shoot Nerf gun at a stormtrooper. And it was great. And the best thing of all, everything that they do there, it's all for charity. They're raising money for charity. Great group of guys. An amazing, amazing outfit that they've put together, literally, pun intended. Um, and it's just phenomenal what they're doing. I just can't see enough. So if you get a chance, check them out. 501st Legion. Amazing. Okay, so we're on to day two of Fan Expo 2016. Today's going to be a good one because we're starting off with Christopher Lloyd uh, at noon. We're going to go in and do a Q&A with him. That's going to be great. And of course, sort of the crown jewel of the whole event is going to take place tonight at five o'clock where we're, Mark Hamill is doing a Q&A. I can't wait to get in there, uh, but we're going to spend a lot of time taking a look. Uh, there's a bunch of cosplay stuff going on. I want to find out what that's all about. So maybe I'll start by heading over there right now. So I think one of the first things that comes to mind, you know, in the general population, when they think of, you know, fan expo conventions and Comic-Cons and that sort of thing, are the all the people in the costumes. And by, <laughs> let me tell you, it is something to behold. Walking around this place, the stuff I'm looking at is unbelievable. The people that are in costumes are coming out of the woodwork for these events. And like I say, I think the general, the, the consciousness in the, in the general public is that's what the, these conventions are all about. It's certainly a big part of it. But I didn't even realize how important it is. So this costume play, short form to cosplay, um, is such a huge thing that these these people that dress up in these costumes have become celebrities themselves. There's a whole section along the north wall here, it looks like, or I guess it was on the west wall over here, and these are all people that do costume play, and they've become so famous for doing it. They're there, they're signing autographs and everything unbelievable. There's people like Nicole Marie Jean, there's Meg Turney, 
someone named Ivy Doom Kitty. And just right in the middle, there's Spock Vegas. And on the other side, there's somebody named Cecil Grimes. And his claim to fame is just, he looks like Andrew Lincoln from The Walking Dead. And these people have become famous. I guess a lot of what they do too is they create videos and they have channels and stuff they put on YouTube where they're recreating a lot of the scenes from the movies and stuff like that. And they're just so good at it that they've been able to gain fans for themselves in doing this. It's truly incredible and something to behold. But uh, cosplay is a big, big thing here. And I'm finding that out awfully quickly. Okay, so I just got out of the Q&A with Christopher Lloyd. It was phenomenal. The guy's 77 years old, still has his wits about him. He was just great, telling all kinds of stories about, you know, how he got started and stuff. He was talking about Back to the Future and how, um, what it was like working with Eric Stoltz for a, a couple of weeks of shooting and then how all the producers brought everybody together and then they told him that Eric Stoltz was being replaced. The role of Marty McFly was getting recast with uh, Michael J. Fox and, and of course, Christopher Lloyd, he says, the, he goes, you know, being, you know, selfish as as human beings are, the first feeling I had was, oh no, I'm going to get fired next. And so he was just doubly effort, you know, put more double uh, of an effort in to try to be even better at the role and really, really bring Doc to life. He certainly did. He was talking about how when Fox came on the set, um, instantly he and Fox just had this great chemistry together. He said his favorite movie of the trilogy was the third one. He was telling a story about how him and Michael J. Fox were on the top of a train. And, you know, back in those days, there's no CGI or anything. So they were actually on top of a train that was moving and they were facing each other and they were looking and they were just terrified looking at each other's eyes doing this scene because the, 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 the train was swaying at the top and they were worried they were going to fall off. It was just a great story. He was mentioning how he started out uh, sort of as a kid kind of using comedy to prevent from himself from getting beat up. Like on the schoolyard, he used it used comedy to try and get out of a lot of bad situations and he was really good at it. So he kind of took to that, decided he wanted to become an actor. He said he moved to New York and that's when he got cast in Cuckoo's Nest and things just took off from there. And and just, just some really great stories. I was lucky enough to kind of bump into him by the autograph session shortly after. And what struck me about him meeting him up close and, and just got a chance to say hello is how he's actually quite short. I always think of Christopher Lloyd as being rather tall, a Jim Ignatowski being quite tall and Doc Brown. Maybe it's because the actors he was with were rather short, Michael J. Fox and Danny DeVito. Maybe that was the thing. So I learned something today. But Christopher Lloyd was fantastic. <laughs> Okay, so I made my way over to the RPG section here, and who did I run into other than Derek Myers? You know him best as at Amaron underscore DM on Twitter. Derek, how's it going today? This is not your first fan expo, is that correct? This actually is my second fan expo, but I've been doing game conventions for a decade. Awesome, awesome stuff. So, uh, is it a good turnout? How does this uh, compare to other fan expos and conventions that you've done in the past? This one's been great. The turnout for the games has been great. We've got a big special event going tomorrow night. We're already sold out for that, so it should be a great time. If it's anything like last year's, it'll be amazing. That's awesome. Well, I've known Derek for a long time, but we've never actually had the chance to play together, so do you think you're going to be able to rope me in uh, while I'm here? Uh, I'd love to try, but uh, we'll see what we can do for you. This isn't necessarily the best place for a fresh beginner, but uh, we'll see what we can do for you. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I would probably get schooled big time. Anyway, Derek, thanks for taking the time to meet us. Again, you can catch him on Twitter, at Amaron underscore DM on Twitter. Make sure you reach out to Derek. Uh, back to the show. Okay, so one of the cool things I think about the first couple of days uh, here at the Fan Expo is that it's not as busy. So the Saturday is like crazy, crazy busy. Tomorrow is going to be insane. But uh, for right now, yesterday and today, today's Friday, um, it's not as busy and it's been really great. It's a little bit more intimate uh, of of a setting here, if you could say that. There's still thousands of people. But getting in and out of places is a lot easier and getting access to some of the celebrities has been very, very, uh, very easy, actually. Um, And so funny enough, I was walking along here and my son, he's, he's seven years old, he's with me, and he had to use the bathroom. So I talked to security and they're like, yeah, yeah 
hey, come on back here. It was kind of like backstage, kind of where, where the celebrities are. So I'm waiting for him. He goes in. And I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead, right? So I just turn around, and there's Scott Wilson right in front of me. I'm like, hey, Herschel, how's it going? <laughs> and so that was really cool. He was signing autographs. He was just coming backstage, so I got a chance to say hello to him. And then the other thing was I noticed there was a sign earlier uh, when I was coming into the, the this area, and they had said that um, uh, Michael Kudlitz, who plays um, Abraham, of course, uh, he was not. He had to cancel because there were some like travel delays or something like that, so he wasn't going to be here. So, you know, that's too bad, so not expecting to see him. So anyway, I'm still waiting here for my son, and I turn around, and I look. And I, I turn around, and I'm literally face to face with Michael Kudlitz. And the thing is, like, first of all, I wasn't expecting him there. Nobody was. And he, he's an imposing physical figure. This guy's big, and his arms, he's huge. He's a massive guy, and he just looks mean. But uh, like I said, hi to him, and he was really nice, and like a super nice guy, great, great guy. But uh, he just looks that part of Abraham. He's got the big handlebar mustache. Right? He, man, he's. This has been a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. But uh, especially like kind of getting backstage uh, here has been phenomenal as well. They're probably going to kick us out soon, but hey, it's been just a great experience so far. Loving this. Can't wait for Mark Hamill. Okay, we just got out of Mark Hamill. It was fantastic. It was everything that I hoped that it would be and more. Hamill was unbelievable. He came out on the stage. He was the only one so far in all the Q&As of all the celebrities who didn't even need a moderator. The guy's a pro. He just came out on stage, grabbed the mic, started talking, started telling stories. Um, he opened up with um, a little bit of an homage to Kenny Baker. He was just mentioning how he just talked to Kenny Baker a couple of months ago, and he was telling stories about how when they first started shooting the original Star Wars in Tunisia, when they first started doing the shoot up there, they went up out into the desert, and like there was no, there was no hair and four. There was no Carrie Fisher at that point. It was basically Mark Hamill and there was Kenny Baker and Anthony Daniels. And they went up to shoot all these scenes in the desert. And he was talking how Kenny Baker used to entertain everybody, the cast and crew, because he was he was a comedian, you know, I mean, he was like vaudevillian, you know, and he would do all these great bits and stuff and entertain everybody. And so, you know, uh, after the shoot was over, uh, Mark Hamill said he felt, you know, sort of compelled to go into London and watch Kenny Baker on stage. And there was him and his partner, his name was Peter something, I couldn't catch the last name. And so Kenny Baker would do this act and with this other guy, and it was just a great act, and he just loved it so much. And he was talking about how the other guy, the shtick was the other guy would make fun of Kenny Baker for being short even though they were both little people and the other guy was only like a two inches taller. And it was just really, just some really, really heartfelt stories about Kenny Baker. So that's how he opened up. Then he started telling stories about how he got, got into acting and he was mentioning how he started out in soap operas and then of course came into Star Wars and then how he sort of had a, you know, a, a rebirth by doing all of all of this uh, this animation um, voice work now that he's totally doing. Obviously doing the Joker and things like that. And how it's just, just how he's just telling stories about his career and just a great sense of humor, like just the most down-to-earth actor you could ever imagine. You know, you take someone like him who is just a pop culture icon, an icon of icons, and just to be so down-to-earth and just such a great person telling these great stories, it was just amazing to be in the room with him and to see him talk. It was just so cool. And the other thing that I thought was interesting was, okay, so the last time that we saw him was at the end of episode seven and he had like the long hair and the beard. It was all gray. And so I didn't know what to expect. It, like, you know, have they wrapped up principal photography for, for episode eight yet? I don't know. I think they might have. So is he still going to have the beard? Like, what, what, what am I going to expect? Nope. Comes out, clean shaven, looks like Mark Hamill. He looks great for his age and he was just phenomenal. Like I say, the stories he 
he was telling and just recalling just and he one of my favorite stories he was talking about the big twist at the end of Empire Strikes Back. And by the way, uh, someone from the audience asked him which of his of the Star Wars movies was his favorite, and he did say it was Empire. Um, he was talking about how the twist, nobody knew about the twist, it was completely secret until the last second when they were getting ready to shoot the scene. The actual uh, line that David Prowse, playing Vader, spoke was, uh, no, Obi-Wan killed your father. And everybody knew that's what the, the, the script was in the script. And they thought, oh, boy, what an incredible twist. You know, Obi-Wan's the bad guy now. And then at the last second, Lucas told, he pulled, uh, he pulled Irvin Kirshner, the director, and Mark Hamill aside and said, no, the line that's going to be going to be said is, no, I am your father. But David Prowse isn't going to say that line. We're going to dub it in later because they didn't want to tell David Prowse because apparently David Prowse had loose lips and he would go out and blab. And and, and he was telling a story about how at the very first, um, one of the first screenings before the screening took place, um, all the press was outside and David Prowse walked up to the press and said, oh, can you, can you believe it? I cut off Luke's arm or cut off Luke's hand and then I'm his bloody father and everyone was like devastated because oh my god he just leaked the movie before it came out and so I guess Lucas went out and talked to the press and begged them please don't publish anything about that and for whatever reason forever why the press didn't they they they, they abided by his wishes and they didn't say anything and they didn't spoil the movie I just think that was so cool it's just a great story and he was just saying about how David Prowse just just could not be trusted which I thought was, was pretty funny and David Prowse, as you might may or may not know, has quite a history with the franchise, you know, because he was quite ticked off um, after the first movie came out because his voice wasn't used in the final cut of the film, and he didn't know until the end and was quite you know, upset about that, I guess. But um, it's just great stories all around. Mark Hamill was just phenomenal. Worth the price of admission to Fan Expo 2016 just for the Q&A with Mark Hamill. Made my year. <laughs> Okay, so it's day three here at Fan Expo. Let me tell you, if Thursday and Friday were busy, today is insane. I can't believe how many people are here. There's probably 100,000 people here today. Uh, as soon as you come up to uh, outside, the entrances, they're, they're packed full. Everyone's in costumes. It's just off the charts. This place is unbelievable. I'm loving every single second of it. I tell you, just ducking into little corners like this and being able to record as I'm going is getting harder and harder as the crowds get bigger and bigger. But let me tell you, day three is shaping up to be huge. The South Building, which is the bigger of the buildings, that's where a lot of vendors are. It is completely crazy down there. I'm spending most of my time up here in the North Building. This is where the celebrities are, all the autographs, the photos, and all that kind of things are taking place, as well as downstairs from here, all the celebrity Q&A. So I'm just going to be heading over to see and then what I'm very interested in seeing today, it's John and Joan Cusack. That one's going to be a good one. I'm going to be heading there in a while. Big line to get into that one, but uh, it's going to be worth it, I think. Okay, just got out of the Cusacks Q&A. It was really, really good. It was funny. The pair of them come out there, and right away, it, they almost seem like they're, I want to say subdued. It's almost like they're shy. They almost come off as kind of a, a, like a shy couple of people. And it was very, very interesting, to you know, being such Hollywood icons that they are. You know, you might not expect that out of them, but it was a great Q&A. Uh, John was quite tired, he said, right off the top. He said uh, he didn't get much sleep uh, last night. Uh, apparently, he blamed it on uh, being up all night because he was excited about today, I guess. Um, uh, Joan 
one was fantastic as well. I mean, like I say, they're Hollywood icons. I thought the Q&A was really, really, really interesting with them. Uh, one guy got up there. He was quite emotional, and he started actually started to cry. Uh, he was saying to Johnny, he's like, you know, when I when I was growing up, I, I never fit in, you know, and I had a lot of people, you know, coming down on me for it. And the one thing that always I found peace in was music. And watching High Fidelity just, just really hit me in the heart. And it really, really meant a lot to me. That movie meant so much to me. And Joan was actually getting quite emotional about it as well. And it was just neat to see the interaction that they had with the audience, especially in terms of how, you know, on a movie set, making a movie, how it can profoundly change people. It's, it, it was amazing to be kind of a part of. It was really, really interesting. Loved that. One of the things I really liked uh, was that John had mentioned um, Joan's first movie, which is my favorite film of hers. She's done lots of great movies. She's known for doing all kinds of great stuff. Um, my favorite movie of hers, and always will be, is one that's always resonated with me, is her first film, which was My Bodyguard. I loved that movie. I really, really related to it at the time that I saw it, and it really hit home for me. And I just loved her in that movie so much. It was like she was one of those smaller characters in the movie that you just looked at and went, she's going to be a star. You just you just knew it. She had a charisma about her. There was something quirky and just incredibly compelling about her that uh, that you just knew she was going to become a big star. And of course she did, right? Uh, so I'm really, really glad to see that they mentioned my bodyguard and all that. But all in all, great Q&A, very intimate. We had great seats. We were right near the front. So that was great. Uh, my son uh, obviously loved it. He's seven. He thought it was great because uh, he's he related to her right away. And Daddy, that's that's the principal from School of Rock, but but she's not wearing her glasses. <laughs> so I thought that was great. Uh, it was just a great, great session. So now we're going to be heading over to uh, meet the man himself, George Takei. Can't wait. So we're just in line to get in to see George Takei here. I'm going to get a picture with him. They're not going to allow us to bring in any phones or recording equipment when we go in, but I'm going to see what I can do to see if I can get him to say, oh my. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Okay, we just got out of Takei, and guess what? He totally did it. Yes! I'm such a fanboy, I tell you. What's that for? Is that for Okay, well, it's time to wrap things up for me now from Fan Expo 2016. What an experience these three days have been. Unbelievable. Like I say, got a chance to do a Q&A with Linda Blair. There was uh, Christopher Lloyd and, of course, Mark Hamill was great. The Cusacks were phenomenal. Meeting George Takei, wonderful, wonderful. Obviously, we love him here on the podcast. We know that. Uh, just a great experience all around. Lots of vendors, lots of good stuff going on. If you are a pop culture uh, fan like I am, this is the place to be. No two ways about it. You know, even if you like anything from gaming to comics to sci-fi to horror, any of that stuff, it's all here. It's all wrapped up into one. It's amazing. Had a great, great time. I even bought my wife a Game of Thrones t-shirt. So who knows? Maybe she'll even let me come back next year. You know. Uh, anyway, make sure and join myself and Yancey next week. We're going to be back in the studio with another episode. Uh, this time, we're going to be taking a look at the 1990s. Until then, goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. Music.